You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Well, happy Wednesday to you. I hope you're having a great day wherever you're at in God's big, beautiful world. Hump day in America, hump day in the free world. Beautiful day down here in South Texas. Just an absolutely beautiful day. About 83 degrees, not a cloud in the sky, blue sky. It's just, uh, you know, one of those days where you walk out on your deck, walk out in your backyard, wherever you're at, look up at the sky and say, thank you, God, for this day. Have a lot to talk about today. A lot of news floating around. Congratulations to those uh, guys up there in the Midwest, Kansas City Royals. For winning the uh, World Series, what a what a comeback. That game was something else, man. Those guys never quit, do they? I watched them off and on all season. As you know, I'm an avid baseball lover fan. I played baseball in high school. and I was a pitcher. I played baseball in the military whenever I got the chance. And uh, my son and I, we uh, really like to watch baseball. And that World Series, that whole playoff series was just a fantastic events or events if you will those guys at kansas city royals seem like they're just one big huge family i've watched some of the interviews they brought their little kids up there to the interview stand and was talking to those folks on majorleaguebaseball.com and fox news sports what a great team what a bunch of got great guys I'd like to give a shout out to all my listeners over there in England, all my listeners in Europe. You folks up here in Sweden, I pray for you every day. I know you're going through a rough time trying to take your country back. Trying to wrestle it away from those individuals that could give a rat's behind about you folks in Sweden, about you folks in Europe or in England. Or as a matter of fact, us folks here in America across the pond. Us Christians, us patriots have got to stick together. There's nobody else that's going to stand up for us. We're on our own. And the threat, the threat from the Islamic religion and Muslims, all those folks that would want to destroy Christianity looms large on the radar screen. We know that. We know it. Those folks out there that are turning against Christians everywhere in the free world trying to destroy our beliefs in God and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. We Christians know the power of prayer and we better kick that power of prayer into high gear. Pray for Christians everywhere. We need it. Desperately. You know, fellow Christians, fellow patriots, wherever you might be in God's big, beautiful world, the threat, like I just mentioned, is looming large on the radar screen. That threat coming from the Islamic religion, coming from those Muslims that are 
radicals, terrorists. And you know, folks, when it comes to the Islamic religion and the Quran, and if you make an effort to learn something about where, what the, the actual beliefs of the Muslim people are based on the Quran, like I said many times, there's only one book, there's only one shelf with one book in a Muslim library. And that's the Quran. That they, that's their whole their whole library. That's what they believe in, lock, stock, and barrel. And they put everything, their whole lives, into that belief, seventh century belief. You know, Christians, we've been taught to turn the other cheek. We've been taught to accept what people say to us, and turn the other cheek, and continue down the road of our our belief in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, be it that is what we have been taught, and that's what says in the Bible. It also, if you go back and look at the Old Testament, Christians or people who believed in God didn't turn their cheeks sometimes. Sometimes they didn't have the opportunity or the pleasure to turn the other cheek. They had to stand up for their beliefs, even if it meant fisticuffs, even if it meant bearing the sword, even if it meant taking their beliefs onto the battlefield to protect what they believed in. Now, Gary Gatehouse, I I sign on to a lot of what the Old Testament teaches us when it comes to protecting a religion. The Old Testament and the New Testament or go hand in hand. You can take what the Old Testament taught us and what the New Testament, Jesus Christ, the Son of, uh, of our God, taught us when, his, when he was on earth and what he taught us in the Bible, the New Testament, what the, the disciples taught us, what they preached. Christianity evolved from that. But you can take the Old Testament and tie it right into the New Testament. If we as Christians turn the other cheek constantly, with never standing up, whether it be verbally in the beginning, to protect our rights as Christians, to protect our rights as individuals who love our Christian religion, and under the Constitution of the United States of America, under that Constitution, we have the right to express our belief in our religion publicly under the First Amendment. We have the right to pray if we want so to do so, whether it be on a football field, whether it be in a graduation commencement. But there are folks out there, namely the atheist and the secularist, that take pleasure in going after Christians. Now, there was a, a get-together, I guess you could call it, and uh, it was a get-together with atheists talking about the Muslim religion of Islam and the Christian religion. Have a listen to this. These are Christian bakeries. I would have been on the cover of the New York Times. And so I'm wondering why we're able to have this amicable, respectful disagreement with Muslims for having this view, but not able... And this is a sincere question. I'm not trying to be cute. Like, why are we not able to do that with Christians? I so love that part of your book. I think it was page 60 to 60. <laughs> uh, I absolutely agree with you. 
I absolutely agree that uh, it is okay for uh, those on the left to critique, mock, deride Christianity, but oh, Islam gets, Islam gets a free pass, which is so strange, because if you care about women's rights, if you care about human rights, if you care about gay rights, uh, then you really, uh, uh, Islam is much more, of a, more problematic. Uh, sorry to paint Islam with a huge brush, uh, and much more devastating. It, as an atheist, where on planet Earth is the death penalty meted out to atheists? It's it, only in, I think, 24 Muslim countries. Um, where have human rights flourished the most? In Christ, Christian nations. Where is uh, a tolerance the greatest? In, in nations rooted in Christianity. So uh, when I look, I see Christianity as a great friend to secular culture, uh, and I see Islam as much more of a threat, much more debilitating, much more, not, I'm not talking not Muslim individuals that I happen to sit next right. to on an airplane or are my neighbors. I'm talking about uh, the doctrines and, the, and those with the power to enforce those doctrines in the form of Sharia law. So I agree with you. So the question you're asking, though, is is why? Because, because I mean, this is the Bill Maher, Ben Affleck, uh, Sam Harris kerfuffle as well. Um, and I would say uh, two things. I know what keeps me uh, uh, from critiquing Islam on my blogs is just fear. I, I've got three kids, so um, I know that I can say anything about Christianity or Mormonism, and I'm not living in fear, which is a testament to Christianity and Mormon. I mean, that's wonderful. Thank you. That you, you're not gonna, I can write on my blog all kinds of things. Uh, um, and I fall in with Ann Coulter. Yes. <laughs> um, but I would never write the same kind of stuff that I do about uh, uh, certain religions, Judaism, Christianity, LDS, whatever, as I would about Islam for just straight-up fear. Now, that was an atheist professor speaking this last Tuesday. And he said it's acceptable to criticize Christians, but not Muslims, because he does not fear retaliation from Christians. He went on to say, I know what keeps me from critiquing Islam on my blog is just fear. Now this man, Phil Zuckerman, said at a discussion that was held on religious liberty at Georgetown University, a Catholic university, in Washington, D.C. He says, I've got three kids, so I know I can say anything about Christianity or Mormonism, and I'm not living in fear, which is a testament to Christianity and Mormonism. And that's wonderful. Thank you, said Mr. Zuckerman, who is a self-described atheist and professor of secular studies at Fitzer College in Claremont, California. Zuckerman was a panelist at the discussion as part of Georgetown University's Religious Freedom Project at Berkeley Center, at Berkeley Center, at Berkeley Center. You know, ladies and gentlemen, what did you get from that? What was he saying? He was saying that he did not fear Christianity. He could trash him. He could call him anything he felt like, that Mormonism, and I have any fear whatsoever of any type of repercussions, retaliation. But when it comes to Islam and the Muslim religion, he has that fear. Consequently, he will not trash those folks, will not speak out against Islam. He'll keep his mouth shut, will not say anything on, the, on his blog because he has fear of them. Why? Because they will cut his bloody head off if they could get a hold of him we're saying thing, anything wrong about Islam that does not jive with the way the Muslim people look at Islam and want everybody else, us stupid infidels, to look at it as well. But if you read between the lines 
of Mr. Zuckerman, a self-professed atheist, he is saying, I take pleasure in knowing that I can trash Christianity. I know that I can get away with whatever I feel like saying about Christianity, about Jesus Christ, about God, and I have to say, I have to say, I know I do, I, I, I like this. And I know I can get away with it because I suffer no repercussions. None whatsoever. Well, we all know. However far Mr. Zuckerman carries his trashing of Christianity, he might not suffer any repercussions here on the face of the uh, the face of earth but in the afterlife he just might we don't know but he's speaking out against our lord and savior jesus christ god and saying whatever he darn well pleases about him knowing that he will not suffer any kind of repercussions but you know ladies and gentlemen you christians out there you fellow christians and patriots, when people speak out about Christianity, is there anybody on our side, the Christian side, that stands up and calls them to task and lays it on the line verbally to them about what they're saying? Maybe a teachable moment to them? Not really. There might be somebody commenting on Twitter about what the guy said or Gary Gatehouse behind the microphone. But I mean face to face. You had commentators there. You had people on that board or whatever you want to call it that were discussing discussing, uh, religious freedom. Why didn't they say, wait a minute. You might not suffer any repercussions physically from Christians, but I'm here to tell you what you're saying is wrong. You can't trash Christians just because you don't fear any bodily harm. You can't do that. Oh yeah, it's the First Amendment. I understand that. But you must be prepared to suffer a really tongue lashing from Christians who know the Bible inside and out and are going to take you to task on what you're saying and prove to you being an atheist is wrong. Prove to you that being an atheist You're hollow, proving to you that being an atheist is a non-starter. Prove to me that there is no God. Prove to me. And the question is always there. Prove to me that there is one. Prove to me that there is a God. It's an argument that has been on the table in conversations down through history. Prove to me there is a God. Prove to me there isn't one. And it all comes down to one word. Faith. Faith. If you don't believe in something, then you don't have any faith in it. When you go to bed at night, you believe you're going to wake up in the morning, have a cup of coffee, and turn on the television and go to work. That is faith that you have invested in that particular time. Every night. The faith that you know that you're going to wake up tomorrow. You believe that 100%. But when you talk about God and you talk about Jesus Christ 
Oh yeah, some people call Jesus Christ a prophet, whatever. We'll leave that aspect out of, of Christianity out for right now. We're talking about God, the supreme being. When somebody says, I can't see him, I can't touch him, I don't know where he's at. You prove to me that there's a God. Well, you prove to me there isn't. You prove to me beyond a shadow of a doubt there is no God. And an atheist, a scientist, can't do it. But a Christian can say, there is a God because I believe there is. I have faith that there is a God. You can't take and describe faith and put it on a screen. You can give the definition of it. But when you want to see what's in the faith, the content of in a person's brain and soul and heart, you can't you can't show it. You can't illustrate it. You can illustrate it by, I guess, seeing a person in a pew praying on Sunday or wearing a cross on their chest or a rosary or quoting uh, the Bible. That's all part of proving there's a there's a God. It's all under the word faith. And that's a huge word when it comes to religion, when it comes to going to bed at night thinking, I have all faith in the world that I'm going to wake up in the morning. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, when you talk about Christianity and belief in God, faith is the main player. Faith is there to illustrate to the world those people like Mr. Zuckerman who are atheists that faith controls Christianity. The faith that you have in the Lord's Savior, Jesus Christ and the Son of God and the Supreme Being rule 100% with true Christians. Oh, there's all kinds of arguments. Look around you. This didn't just happen by happen chance. The universe didn't happen by happen chance. The Big Bang, who caused it? Well, it comes down to one little bitty minute particle. Well, who created that particle? You could go on and on and on. But the final definition of Christianity is faith. If you have faith in the Supreme Being, that He's there, and He rules, He created, He is the person or the entity that created everything that we see now and has ever been and ever will be, if you have that faith, you don't have any worries. It's the secularist and the atheist that should be worrying. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after the Phyllis Shafley Report. You want the truth? Nothing but the truth? Listen to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on freedominamericaradio.com. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Mrs. Schlafly is a constitutional attorney, pro-family leader, and author of 25 books, including the best-selling A Choice, Not an Echo. And now, here's the founder of Eagle Forum, Phyllis Schlafly. It's no secret that the National Education Association has a clear left-wing agenda for what teachers teach our children. It should come as no surprise that history teachers are being told to downplay America's rich history in favor of a shame narrative. 
The NEA's new business item B considered so important that it passed unanimously at the annual NEA convention in Orlando, Florida, declares that we acknowledge the existence in our country of institutional racism, which even manifests itself in our schools. The delegates called for joining with like-minded groups, particularly in areas of cultural competence, diversity, and social justice, in order to address institutional racism. This is what Dinesh D'Souza calls the shame narrative of American history, famously advocated by the best-selling left-wing writer Howard Zinn. This skewed portrayal presents American history as a story of oppression by the white Europeans who allegedly stole the country from Indians, Africans, and Mexicans. This false view of our heritage is certainly not something that we want our children and grandchildren to be taught. Every presidential candidate should have a position paper on how best to reform public education. These views will have a huge impact on how the candidates are seen by the voters. But even with very good ideas for reform, the future president must still depend on teachers in the classroom. Unfortunately, most teachers pay dues to a union whose policies are fundamentally opposed to what parents and the public want their children to learn. The grassroots need to speak up against the NEA's shaming tactics. There can be no positive change in America's public schools as long as the teachers' unions have the power to collect mandatory dues from school employees whose salaries are paid by the taxpayers. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Eagle Forum. The National Education Association is the largest labor union in the country. So how are they using that power? Regretfully, their goals have little to do with better educating our children. Do you have an opinion on the NEA? Read, follow, and add to the blog at eagleforum.org. That's eagleforum.org. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Wednesday edition Hump Day on Restoration Radio International UK. We'll be back after a few short messages. I'm a paramedic, and it may sound silly, but a lot of people are afraid to call me when they're experiencing chest pain or to call 911 if they're with someone experiencing chest pain. You know why? Because they think it would be embarrassing if it were a false alarm. Instead, people risk permanent damage or death because they're afraid they might get a lecture. That's ridiculous. So if you have an uncomfortable pressure, fullness, squeezing, or pain in the center of the chest that lasts more than a few minutes, call me. If you have a pain that spreads to the shoulders, neck, or arms, call me. If you have any discomfort in your chest with lightheadedness, fainting, sweating, nausea, or shortness of breath, call me. If you have any of these symptoms or are with someone who does, dial 911 right away. If it is a false alarm, I'm not going to give you a lecture. I'll be happy to see you. To learn more about heart attack warning signs, call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit us on the web at AmericanHeart.org. Kids, you're never alone. Whenever you need help, there's always somewhere to turn. Kids Help Phone is a safe, confidential place you can call anytime, anywhere, no matter what the problem is. Call Kids Help Phone at 1-800-668-6868 or online at kidshelpphone.ca. 
Well, welcome back to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Gary Gatehouse. And we're broadcasting on the GAL Network, Conservative Talk from South Texas, the flagship station of the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, the GAL Network. You can also uh, go up and, oh, I don't know, leave Gary a message up on Twitter. All you have to do is type in GAL Network, G-A-L-N-E-T-W-R-K, and there's Gary. Drop by. Leave me a message if you like. You know, folks, new Speaker of the House was installed, uh, Speaker Ryan, and uh, a lot of people say it was a done deal. There was something uh, behind closed doors that uh, we'll probably never know. Something that was discussed about Boehner getting out while the getting was good. All for the GOP, of course, the Grand Old Progressive Party. And they installed Boehner and a lot of conservatives, a lot of Tea Party folks that once said that they would never fall for something like the installation of a guy like Ryan to take Boehner's place. They went ahead and did it anyway. They sold a lot of people out. I'm not saying all of them. But a lot of so-called conservatives went beyond being a conservative and proved who they really were by backing Ryan. Now, Ryan came out here a couple of days ago and he said that uh, we can't trust Obama when it comes to the immigration issue. He said we just can't trust him. Have a listen to what he says. Can Donald Trump lead a winning, uh, lead a Republican Party to victory? Look, as you know, I'm going to be completely neutral in this presidential election because I'm the Speaker of the House. But if you're asking me, can any one of those people who are on the stage be a better president than Hillary Clinton? The answer is yes. Is the rhetoric on immigration? His rhetoric on immigration. Well, I, it, look, you're somebody that wants a path. You told me you were in favor of an eventual path to citizenship. Well, I, uh, you know, is what I tell you. I, look, I've written extensively about my views on immigration. I'm, I'm an open book on this subject. Um, but by the way, on immigration, I don't think we can trust the president on this issue. So you tried to go around Congress with executive order. Absolutely. The president has proven himself untrustworthy on this issue because he tried to unilaterally rewrite the law himself. Presidents don't write laws. Congress does. The president's proven himself to be untrustworthy on this issue. I think if we reach consensus on something like border enforcement, interior security, that's one thing. But I do not believe we should we should advance comprehensive immigration uh, legislation with a president who has proven himself untrustworthy on this issue. You know, I agree with him on that. Obama shouldn't be allowed to dictate to the American people in Congress be executive order, what amnesty, what all this other things that are plugged into this whole realm of ideas and ideas and issues that revolve around illegal aliens. But I'll ask you this, Patriots. Do you think that Ryan's talking out of both sides of his mouth when he's talking about immigration? Do you think that the Republican Party was honest with us, the American people, when it comes to the issue of immigration? Do you think that the leader of the House... Boehner and the, the leader of the Senate, McConnell, were honest with us when it comes to the issue of immigration? Do you think that uh, people like Marco Rubio, John McCain, were honest with us when it came 
or comes to the issue of immigration. After all, they were part of the Gang of Eight who wanted to ram amnesty down our throat. Now you know that the Republican Party tried numerous ways and numerous ideas to skirt the issue of amnesty and deportation. They tried all kinds of different tactics, throwing them up against the wall to see if they would stick with the American people. And it remained pretty constant, the percentage of American people that wanted these illegal aliens out of our country, right at about 80%. But yet, the Republican Party and the Democrat Party fought us tooth and nail, and still are. We still have people running for the nomination on the GOP side that still secretly are all thrilled and tied up with the idea of amnesty. We still have people on the Republican side. We still have people that make fun of a person, say, like Donald Trump, who says, I'm going to deport him. I'm going to round him up and throw him out. You can't do that, Donald, says the Republican Party. You can't do that, Donald, says the Republican leadership. There's no way you can do that, Mr. Trump. That's a stupid idea to build a big wall and throw these people out. And we people who pay attention, we people who are now convinced that signing on to either as a Democrat or a Republican doesn't make a hill of beans anymore. They're all the same. They all same uh, talk from the same talking points with just a few words thrown in, sprinkled in to make us folks on the Republican side when it comes to those talking points feel, I, I guess, a little warm and cozy. You know, ladies and gentlemen, when a body, a governing body of a country, Congress, if you will, has 10 or 11% following them in the positive, there's something wrong there. How can anybody that loves their country look at the governing body that we have sent to Congress, sent up there to Washington, D.C., to represent us, And we the people don't have any representation. We know that. We see it every day. Yet they try, the people of Congress, and I'm speaking about the GOP now and the leadership, they have tried so many times different ways to convince the American people that this amnesty issue is under control, they're going to get it settled, and it will all come out on the right wavelength or right road, if you will. It hasn't. The GOP leadership sold out to Obama. The GOP leadership sold out to these dream kids and all this other hogwash that we've been thrown to like a dog wanting a, a meal or a bone. They keep feeding this, uh, this stuff to us, hoping that eventually we'll either wilt and give up or we'll be so overwhelmed with lies and misinformation and disinformation and propaganda that we won't know which ends up. 80% still hanging in there, close to it. They haven't convinced us. The only person that has brought the issue up on the public stage is Donald Trump. He is the only one that has brought the immigration issue up for all of America to hear. The media, the mainstream media, hid the issues. Or they spun them 
to make it sound so warm and cozy, uh, cozy and fuzzy that we, as Americans, just had to give in. And these poor people that re- come across our border, broke into our big home, America, well, we've just got to give in to them. They're here now. We've got to feed them and clothe them, educate them, provide for their health. It's on us, America. We should be ashamed of ourselves. So the media and Congress tells us, if we do not want to do this, we should be ashamed of ourselves if we want to take these people, round them up, put them on buses, take them to the border, and kick their backsides back to where they come from. How many of you patriots out there feel ashamed for standing up for your rights as an American? How many people or patriots out there feel ashamed of the fact that you are sick and tired of footing the bill forever illegal Tom, Dick, and Harry, and Jose that comes across our border and the government expects us to pony up the money to pay for all this? We're $18 trillion in debt. But you know what's really scary? When you tell the average American we're $18 trillion in debt, they'll either say, well, I don't know, I ain't nothing I can do about it, or it doesn't resonate with them all at all. That's what's really scary, is those people out there are so damn dumb, so ignorant, so misinformed, underinformed. And Congress knows this. And that's what they play on with any issue that they face or we face as Americans. They play on the fact, and it is a known fact, that the majority of Americans in this country on certain issues are so damn dumb and so ignorant or I don't give a darn attitude. Congress knows this and they can use that to their advantage. And they're doing it. But there's one issue that the majority of American people stand strong on. And that's the issue of amnesty, issue of illegal aliens in our country. Congress has tried every way, working hand in hand with the mainstream propaganda machine of the Democrat Party, the media, to change Americans' minds on the whole issue of amnesty and illegal aliens. And they have, they have failed miserably. Oh yeah, they get that 15-20%, but that's as far as it goes. And we have a champion, championing the cause, if you will, to keep the American people informed, bringing the issue to the forefront of discussion in these presidential debates, bringing the issue back in front of the American people time after time, telling the American people what he will do if we elect him when it comes to amnesty and illegals in this country, and that's Donald Trump and his sidekick, that's what I'm going to call him, Mr. Ted Cruz. Those two individuals, those two, stand shoulder to shoulder and they are not wavering from what they say. They are saying these people need to be deported. These people need to be taken out of this country. They stand with the American people. Two guys out of a whole Congress and all the individuals that are running for the nod to be run, to run as president, those two individuals, Donald Trump 
Ted Cruz, are the only ones that are standing tall on this issue. You know, folks, you can tell lies and you can spin lies into the truth and you can spin truth into the lies like Congress and the mainstream does on a daily basis. But there are people out there that see through the fog of all this. We patriots who pay attention. We people who have common sense. We people who still love our country. And we've talked about this numerous, numerous times. The illegal alien issue. The mainstream media has tried to change the whole narrative. Originally it was the, main, uh, the mainstream media signed on to illegal aliens as a description. Then it went to illegal immigrants. Then it went to immigrants. Now it's undocumented refugees. They tried to change the playing field via narrative. But it hasn't worked. It has not worked. Illegal alien is the proper term. They are alien to this country and they are here illegally. We don't want them here. We don't want their kids here. We don't want their dogs, cats, fish, uh, their moms and dads, sisters and brothers, aunts and uncles by the hundreds. We don't want them here. And Donald Trump and Ted Cruz are standing shoulder to shoulder with us. They are putting the narrative out front for the American people. We do not want illegal aliens in our country. Coming up after the break, it's a blast from the past, a rant with Gary Gatehouse. We'll be right back. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice. For all. Enjoy your freedom. Support Combat Wounded Veterans. Presented by the Military Order of the Purple Heart. For more information, visit www.purpleheart.org. Well, thank you, Mr. Trade Martin. You know, that's my... Uh, Entry into the uh, radio scene every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Mr. Trade Martin and his secret agent man, Gary Gatehouse. Thank you, Mr. Trade Martin, for putting that all together. That guy's got more talent, like I say, than most people do. He's got more talent than 10 people, 50 people, 100 people. And uh, he was so kind to put that together for me uh, oh, well over a year ago. And I use it quite a bit in my introduction music, if you will, to come in to the beginning of the show. Sometimes in the beginning, sometimes in the middle, who knows? You know, folks, over the last, oh, I don't know, two weeks, we've addressed quite a bit, haven't we, when it comes to issues that impact, that impact on you and I as American citizens, you and I as conservatives, as Christians, you folks out there that are parents, have little children going to school, etc. We've talked about a lot of issues. We've talked about the public school system. We've talked about Donald Trump. 
We've talked about the Republican Party. We've talked about the news media, on and on and on. Black Lives Matter, abortion, you name it. Gary Gatehouse covers it. And I don't pull any punches. I tell it like it is. I tell it as I see it. Looking through the eyes, processed through my gray matter, as a patriot, as an American, as a father, a grandfather, as a Christian, as a Texan, and most of all, as a creation of God. Now, you know, over the past, what, five, six months, there's been a new person come on the scene, namely Donald Trump. And Donald Trump, like I said many, many, many months ago, way back in the 2012s, 2013s, that the United States needs a leader, needs an executive leader at the top of the heap, not a political person, but a person who has been there and done that, maybe a CEO of a big company, etc., that knows how to run a company, knows how to deal with people both who deal with him in a pleasant manner and those who deal with that person in a unpleasant manner. Knows how to handle all types of folks and knows how to get things done. Now, I've also said that we need a person that is a no nonsense, take no prisoners, take no guff, don't take crap off of anybody type person. Who comes along? Donald Trump. Who comes along and falls right in line with what I've been preaching that America needs, oh, I don't know, for the last two, three years? Donald Trump. Now, you can go back and listen to my past shows, if you like, And you can go back and listen to past shows that I've archived up on the internet that go back to 2011, 2010. And listen to how I've graduated down, come, uh, expanded my show, and got my thoughts on various issues out over the years to the American people through the uh, GAL network from South Texas, Restoration Radio United Kingdom, dogsaboard.com, freedominamericaradio.com, freedominamerica.us, through Twitter, through Facebook, etc. All the media. I've covered it all. And there's one thing I've preached many, many times to the American people and covered and tried to expose, did exposés on, all the things that are tied into the Communist Democrat Party, all those tied at the hip with the Communist Democrat Party, all the supporters of the Democrat Party, all those within the Communist Democrat Party that support various issues that are foreign, support various issues that goes against the grain, if you will, of being an American. That's what the Communist Democrat Party is today. It's graduated from liberalism to socialism. Now it's into its last leg of the trip, communism. Now the Communist Democrat Party has always tried to project itself. They've used all kinds of different words, like uh, one of the latest, progressive. And if you've listened to the Gary Gatehouse radio show, you've heard me say time after time, When a Communist Democrat Party member, congressman, or senator, or somebody that supports him, whether they be in the media or whatever, say they're progressives, well, progressivism equals communism. Plain and simple. 
plain and simple. But you know, folks, the Communist Democrat Party, their base, the media, the Communist Democrat Party, one, one side of the educa- uh, equation, they're women. And, you know, what do these women stand for that represent the Communist Democrat Party? Whether they be in the Senate, whether they be in the House of Representatives, or just people who vote for them, women who vote for them. What do these women believe in? Do they believe in the party line? Hell yes, they do. And they they puke it every day. They puke that pablum every day. The Communist Democrat Party line. Now, the Communist Democrat Party and their staunch stand on murder of unborn babies in the womb, that's one of their planks, and they're proud of it. And they strongly and unequivocally support Roe v. Wade. This was stated way back in September of 2012. They're all in with abortion. They made statements like invest in stem cell and other medical research way back in 26, 2006. So we know they're all in with Planned Parenthood and selling baby parts, livers, brains, hearts, baby parts, uh, arms, legs, heads, brains, you name it. They are all in. They made the statement to cover it all, a blanket statement. Invest in stem cell and other medical research. They made that statement way back in 2006, and they stand by it. Pursue embryonic stem cell research. They said it again way back in 2004, July, as a matter of fact, that they support embryonic stem cell research. Support right to choose, even if a mother cannot pay. July of 2004, they said that. Choice is a fundamental constitutional right. August of 2000, the Communist Democrat Party said that. So when Gary Gatehouse makes the statement that the Communist Democrat Party is the political party of death, I'm not misstating. I'm stating the truth. I'm stating a fact. The Communist Democrat Party, ladies and gentlemen, stands for murder of unborn babies in the womb. They support embryonic stem cell search. They uh, support investment in stem cell and other medical research. And they support Roe v. Wade from its inception. And they restated again in 2012. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, all this Planned Parenthood stuff going around in the media, all this Planned Parenthood facts and videos and stuff that have shined the light of truth on Planned Parenthood, they are supported 100% by the Communist Democrat Party, the Party of Death. The Party of Death has stood by abortion since, I said, like I said, in its inception, Roe v. Wade. And they enforced that stand, oh, every few years. And now, like I said, they supported stem cell research and medical research. They made that statement in 2006. Embryonic stem cell research, 2004. What is Planned Parenthood doing? It's selling baby parts to these individuals and companies that do embryonic stem cell research. That do all kinds of stem cell research using un- born babies body parts that are ripped apart killed and murdered in the womb and on the table thrown in a petri dish frozen 
and sent to these companies to do medical research on. These human beings, God's creation, the Communist Democrat Party, and oh, by the way, the Republican Party leadership, because they don't speak out against it, the Boehners and the McConnells and such, they don't speak out against it. They don't do anything. They go through all the motions and say we're going to do this or that, but in the end they don't. So they are just as much guilty of murder in the womb as the Communist Democrat Party is. Just as much guilty. You know, ladies and gentlemen, when you look at the Communist Democrat Party and what they stand for, the Communist Democrat Party stands... For over the years, they're standing on illegal aliens in our country. What have they said about illegal aliens in our country over the years? The DREAM Act for now, comprehensive reform. Next. That was a statement made by the Communist Democrat Party in 2012. Hispanics vote 60 to 75% Democrat naturalization and naturalizing imports. Democrats, October 2007 bringing imports in from Mexico. Path for undocumented aliens to earn citizenship. That was part of their plank, part of their statement in July of 2004. Reform the INS, reduce immigrant backlog, August of 2007. Protect immigrants from exploitation by employers, August of 2000. The Communist Democrat Party locked arm and arm with the illegals and standing for them, protecting them, and turning their backs, the Communist Democrat Party, turning their backs on the American people and their constituents, standing with those who come into our country illegally, the Communist Democrat Party's all for it, stands for it, have for many, many decades. Where's the Republican Party on that? That issue of illegals? Where is the Republican leadership? crickets. You don't hear a damn thing from them. Every once in a while they might say something, but that's as far as it goes. When it comes to issues and passing laws, they side up with the Communist Democrat Party and vote for what Obama wants. Whatever he wants when it comes to illegal immigration and protecting those illegal aliens in our country. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, it goes further than that. It goes further than that. You think about what the Communist Democrat Party has stood for over the years, and you go back, you hearken back to Israel and the Communist Democrat Party and their national convention. Have a listen to this. But first from Fox this Wednesday night, an absolutely stunning moment here at the DNC. Democrats have in the last hour or so made a couple of changes to their party platform, and it didn't go smoothly. Critics have been going after the Democrats for failing to refer to Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and for not mentioning God anywhere in the platform. Well, less than two hours ago, they attempted to change the platform to address the criticism. Is there any further discussion? Hearing none, the matter requires a two-thirds vote in the affirmative. All those delegates in favor say aye. All those delegates opposed say no. In the opinion of the... Let me do that again. I, um... I guess... 
I'll do that one more time. All those delegates in favor say aye. All those delegates opposed say no. In the opinion of the chair, two-thirds have voted in the affirmative. The motion is adopted and the platform has been amended as shown on the screen. Two-thirds. Some questions, I suppose, about whether they really got the two-thirds majority they needed. You heard the audio. Now listen to this interview with Dick Durbin where he refuses to acknowledge the fact that they did not stand for Israel. Listen to this. He will not acknowledge the fact that they did not stand with Israel. Thank you. Let's get some reaction and perspective on his party's convention. Senator Dick Durbin is the senior Democrat from Illinois. He's the Senate Majority Whip, making him one of the key voices at this convention. Senator Durbin, thank you very much. Let's start there at that piece that you just saw. Uh, God out of the platform. Why do that? Well, I can just basically tell you, if the narrative that is being presented on your station and through your channel and your network is that the Democrats are godless people, they ought to know better. God is not a franchise of the Republican Party. No, no, those of us who believe in God and those of us who have dedicated our lives to helping others in the name of God don't want to take a second seat to anyone who is suggesting that one word out of the platform means that the Democrats across America are godless. No, no, no. That's, no, no. I don't think that that's what's being said. We're reporting what's in the platform. In 2008, God was mentioned once. In 2004, it was mentioned seven times. In 2000, it was God was mentioned four times. Times. So just a question. The question is why I'd take it out in this time. What I'm basically saying to you is that you're trying to draw some conclusion that the Democrats are godless. I'm just present asking your evidence. Present your evidence. I'm just asking the question why was the word taken out? I'm just telling you you are harping on a trifle. We know that both parties are devoted to this country. Both parties are God-fearing parties. Let's get on with the agenda about creating jobs in America, Understood. about justice in this country. And we're going to talk about that in a second. We're talking about it, the platform here, and there are two changes that we just noted. One, that God was taken out from 2008 to 2012, and two, that Jerusalem is not mentioned. So I'm not drawing conclusions. I'm just asking you why do those changes were made. Brett, let me suggest something. I chaired the platform committee for two Democratic conventions. We produced the most unread document in the history of American politics. To suggest that this document and the insertion of two words here and one word there has now defined politics in America suggests to me that you're not focusing on the real issues that Americans care about. But Senator, you want know. this American people to get back to work. I we want to continue that. to create jobs. And let's talk about that in one second. But you know Democrats in Tampa talked about the Republican platform and what was and what is not in there. So when I'm asking you about these two changes, these two words, I'm just asking why. I'm not drawing conclusions. I'm telling you your conclusions are wrong if you're drawing them. I'm not. And secondly, let me tell you, the first president to recognize the state of Israel was Harry Truman, a Democrat. And every president since, Democrat and Republican, has stood closely with Israel. I know what's going on here. Okay. It's an effort to try to justify Sheldon Adelson and the money that he's spending in the name of really standing up for Israel. Listen, the Democrats and Republicans are committed to Israel's future and security, and I'm one of them. I understand. No Republican took those words out of the Democratic platform. So I'm just making the point. And you're, you're keeping those two boards coming out mean our relationship with Israel has changed? No, I'm just asking the question about why it was took God and took Israel 
out of their DNC national platform. Dick Durbin tried his best to talk around it, but the commentator wouldn't allow it. But he could not get Dick Durbin to admit that the Democrat Communist Party turned its back on God and turned its back on Israel. And now we fast forward to 2015, ladies and gentlemen, and look what's going down in our country today. Our country is being ran by a president who is a hard-left communist, probably Muslim, probably pseudo-Muslim, probably a Muslim, and a closet homosexual, if at the very least supports homosexuality and its perversions, has turned its back on the American people. The Communist Democrat Party supports him 100%, as does the media, as does Hollywood. And look at America today. Christians are being attacked. Jews are being attacked. The morals of this country are undermined and being attacked on a daily basis. Our children are being brainwashed in our public school system, brainwashed into communism. You cannot tell me, America, that you don't understand what's going on. If I can come up with this stuff, you can. All you have to do is get off your lazy ass. Our country's under attack by our own people. So they call themselves the Communist Democrat Party. They are trying to change America, trying to destroy what America stands for trying to undermine and undercut the morals of this country as prescribed by our Christian religion. And they support everything that is wrong, everything that is perverted. Ladies and gentlemen of America, anybody that stands with, supports, votes for communist Democrats, you're just as guilty as they are on everything we've talked about here in this monologue. That was a Gary Gatehouse Blast from the Past rant slash monologue presented to you by the GAL Network. Ladies and gentlemen, we're coming up on the hour. And we went a little bit long in a couple of the segments of the first hour. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to cut away from the news here in about an hour. Then we'll come back second hour and we've got a lot on our plate to talk about the second hour. We're going to be talking about Islam. We're going to be talking about Europe. We're going to be talking about all, what is the main plan when it comes to the United Nations forcing climate change down our throat. A lot to talk about second hour, so don't go away. We'll be back after the five-minute newscast. You're listening to The Gary Gatehouse Show. Gary will be back after the Fox 5-minute news break. Please stand by. Fox News Radio, I'm Tom Graham. Voting in several states today, Kentucky bluegrass goes red politically. For just the second time in 40 years, the state has elected a Republican governor. Tea Party favorite Matt Bevin thanks supporters. Who from east to west, from north to south, are why we indeed will be the next governor and lieutenant governor of this Commonwealth of Kentucky. The investment manager has never held public office before. Ohio voters deciding to pass on the grass, rejecting a measure to legalize recreational marijuana. Republican Governor John Kasich vocal in his opposition to the bill. We spend all of our time trying to tell kids to stay off drugs and to legalize this drug. Send such a mixed message. 
Voters also rejecting legal medical marijuana. Five years ago, Joe Gannam was in federal prison. Now the Democrat declaring victory in Bridgeport, Connecticut, beating incumbent mayor Bill Finch for the job. On the national stage, Hillary Clinton tacking to the left on a key campaign issue. Democratic frontrunner Hillary Clinton has a new TV ad showing how she continues to move to the left of Democratic Socialist Senator Bernie Sanders on a big issue, gun control. Between 88 and 92 people a day are killed by guns. We're better than this. Even though Clinton herself has shifted because she was much softer on gun control in 2008 in her battle with then-Senator Barack Obama. She's now hitting Sanders for his previous opposition to the Brady Bill. Today, he responded that dividing people on the issue will not lead to progress. Fox's Ed Henry there, an escaped fugitive caught in Georgia. Jim Edward Lowry managed to bust out of a patrol car about 50 miles east of Macon. Lowry was leg shackled and handcuffed, managed to get the shackles off of his legs, and as the deputy was turning into the Lawrence County Jail. At approximately 11.14 a.m., Lowry used the leg shackles to bust the window of the patrol car. Deputy Chief Ronnie Bivens says Lowry now faces a new host of charges in addition to three previous felony counts. You're listening to Fox News Radio, fair and balanced. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school, I learned that I'm ugly and useless. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. In history, I learned that I'm trapped. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In English, I learned that I make people sick. And at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I smell. In chemistry, I learned that no one In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. And in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today... The only thing I didn't learn today... The only thing I didn't learn... Is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the ad... Turning away from organized religion, more Americans are staying away from church. According to a Pew survey of some 35,000 adults, there's a small decrease in the number of Americans who attend church, believe in God, or pray daily. But of those who do, they are even more religious. However, non-believers, or nuns as they're called, now make up 28% of the Democrats, surpassing Catholics as the party's largest religious group. Among Republicans, the nuns are a distant fourth behind evangelicals, Catholics, and mainline Protestants. A lot of these changes in religious beliefs are fueled by the millennial generation. A little more than a quarter of them attend religious services regularly. Lauren Green, Fox News. Japanese airbag maker Takata fined $70 million. Regulators say the company hid evidence that it air, its airbags could spray shrapnel when deployed. This has been a mess. And today, U.S. DOT is stepping in to clean up the mess. We're speeding up these recalls ordering manufacturers to replace defective inflators, and we're ordering them to make sure the consumers at the greatest risk are protected. Transportation Secretary Anthony Fox there, a shootout between two Milwaukee police officers and teenage suspects. Milwaukee Police Chief Ed Flynn says two bicycle officers tried to talk to three people sitting in a car parked in an alley. Whereupon one of them fired at least one round 
at the police officers. He missed and the officers returned fire, striking two of the suspects who suffered non-life-threatening injuries. The third suspect tried to run but was arrested in Milwaukee. Dan O'Donnell for Fox News. An Illinois police officer's death sparking a massive manhunt for three suspects back in September. Well, now Lake County investigators are ruling Officer Joe Glinowitz took his own life. No one was ever arrested. Even better than a golden parachute, former Walmart CEO and part-time pilot Bill Simmons had a small plane engine failure. He managed to deploy the plane's parachute, landing safely on a highway. I'm Tom Graham, Fox News Radio. Restoration Radio UK are proud to present the secret agent man, Gary Gatehouse. This is a wake-up call to all you folks over there in the UK. All you folks over there in Europe, it's time to wake up. Man, they are knocking at the door. They are overrunning you. Seems your government really don't give a darn, do they? You know who I'm talking about. Seems we're having the same problem here in the United States, though. So, uh, if you folks over in Europe are looking across the pond, looking for some help and some government officials on our side standing with you, well, don't hold your breath. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever the case may be to Europe and the United Kingdom. This is your host, Gary Gatehouse, and we're here for the second hour of the Wednesday edition of the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Hump Day, Hump Day in America, Hump Day in uh, the free world. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking about the Muslim religion, we've been talking about Muslims, we've been talking about Islam. We've been talking about the, as some people endearingly like to call them, the muzzies or the ragheads or the towelheads. If you ever took a group of people or a population of people that are, or a race of people, I don't know what, what to call them. I'm talking about Muslims now. And you bring them down through history. They've never, ever, I don't know, filled in or, or become a part of anything but their movement. They signed on to their phony religion. It's a cult. And they pray and live by the book, the Koran. Seventh century, I don't know, ideology, whatever you want to call it. And they live by that book. From the time they're born till the time they die. You know, I don't have any problem with that. If they stay where they're at, Western civilization, Europe and the United States of America, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, are really based on Christianity, if you look at it. If you go back in time, it was always Christians there. 
running the show. Those are the ones who really founded those countries. And I'm going to speak for America now. We have such a disjointed population here in America that we don't really have a majority population of Americans that sign on to one ideology, sign on to one train of thought, if you will, the belief in the system that runs our country, the belief in our Constitution, our founding fathers, etc., our history, it's all been rewritten. It's all been rewritten by the left. They've injected things into our history that never happened. They massage it to make it more politically correct. And God love it, all these young kids today here in America, they really don't know what end to stand on. They really don't. No fault of their own. I don't fault them in as much as what they've been taught in school, grade school, high school, college, and probably a lot of them have very liberal thinking parents who have never really sacrificed one iota for their country. They've always expected someone else to, you know, carry the water or step up to the plate. And that is passed along down to their their children. Many have grown up and become adults. Well, we can see the result of all that. The indoctrination in school, their liberal parents, the environment they were raised in. A lot have been raised in a secular environment. A lot have been taught that America is bad and everything that has happened in the world is because of America and its attitude. We have a president that says that every day through action and deed. We have a Congress that does nothing, does not represent the people. You know, way back in our history, no representation, no taxation, no taxation, no representation. A cry of the people who rose up in the Revolutionary War, started that war, because they felt that the king had shut them out, was taxing them, but did not represent them. And they got sick and tired of it. Oh, they tried all the old things that we have tried today. They tried to have town hall meetings, public discourse. They tried all those things. None of them worked. The king came back in spades and even went at him stronger. Taxing, etc. So the people of the colonies said, the hell with that. We've had it. We've tried everything lawful to do. There's only one thing left. And we who study uh, our history knows what our founding fathers, what the people of the colonies did. And I dare say the majority of the colonists did not follow along. They did not uh, support standing up against the king. They did not support the Revolutionary War. They were afraid. They were afraid they would lose their business, afraid they would lose what they worked hard for. They were afraid of the wrath that would come down on them from the world's most powerful army and navy, the British. So they kept their mouth shut and let the, the minority of people who believed in freedom and wanted to disenfranchise themselves from a tyrannical ruler 
king of England. Thus was born the Revolutionary War in all its ups and downs and its battles and its rhetoric. But in the end, the minority who stood for what they believed in, freedom of religion, freedom of expression, etc., we succeeded and broke away from from Great Britain. Wrote the Declaration of Independence, wrote the Bill of Rights, etc. We, we wrote it all. That we still live by today, the Constitution. It lays out, our founding fathers laid out in that Constitution what was good for America, what was bad for America, how we should honor our laws because they provided us the freedoms that were listed. All those freedoms really came from the hand of God to every human being, but we developed a country where we were allowed to practice those freedoms that God gave every human being. But now we're faced with a Congress that here in modern day, in the year 2015, and it's been brewing for some time, who really doesn't represent the American people. And just in the last, oh, I don't know, 18 months, 24 months, Americans have started to wake up to that fact that they're not being represented by their government. Their government has a lot better things on their mind, spending our money to the tune of $18 trillion in debt. Most Americans, when you tell them that, the number $18 trillion just doesn't, doesn't even resonate. Especially when the average American is probably earning around, oh, I don't know, $40,000, $45,000 a year. When you start, talk, start talking about $18 trillion, they can't even contemplate what that means. And I think where people like Donald Trump and Ted Cruz are going wrong, this is my own opinion, is that when they start talking about the debt, the national debt, and they start talking about the number eighteen trillion, they need to tell the they need to face the cameras and tell the American people, the American taxpayers. Just what that means. How much it means per household that we have to fork out to pay off that national debt. And oh, by the way, American people, the interest rate is increasing as at as blah, blah, blah percentage every day. We are spending a million dollars a second every day of your money, your taxpayer money that you send to Washington, D.C. It's not the government's money. They just spend it. The government doesn't make a dime. They just print it. All that money you send up to Washington, D.C. in the form of federal income tax, by God, there was a lot of hard work that went into that money. Collectively, the American people are the hardest working people in the world. They get up every day and they go to work and they, and they bust their buns. There's no four or five weeks off paid for by the government. There's no holiday here and there. Those no, no, no uh, three or four day work weeks. Some Americans work. They never stop working. 
sometimes holding two and three jobs. Yet, here's the bottom line, America. Here's the bottom line, Mr. Cruz and Mr. Trump. If you really want to resonate with the American people, when you talk about Congress and how they've misrepresented or have not represented the American people, you need to go face full flesh into that camera and say, look, Congress has raped you. They have raped your billfold. They have raped your purse. They have robbed from your piggy bank. They have taken money away from your children. They have taken money away from children yet to be born. Future generations, as far as you can see, are going to be burdened with this debt. And it's not the debt that is housed in this country. It's owned by other countries, our adversaries, our enemies, who are buying land up in this country, our country, buying oil wells, etc., China. And they're trying their damnedest to develop, and they have succeeded in taking the money that we pay them in interest, etc., and buy their goods and develop a blue water navy that is now going to be a threat to the security of the United States. Like I said, mark my word, it won't be very long when they do their deals with Venezuela that you're going to see the Chinese navy and military show up in Venezuela. Mark my word. There are so many threats out there to the American people and Congress does nothing. Congress says nothing. I'll give you for instance. If you look at Europe, if you look across the pond at Europe, our brothers and sisters are patriots in Europe, in England, in Great Britain, in Ireland, Scotland. They are faced with overwhelming odds of trying to correct what their governments have done to them when it comes to Muslims. Muslims rule the roost in Europe and in in UK. Muslims doing what they darn well please. Because the government of those countries, Europe and England and Great Britain, they say very little in the negative against Muslims. They're afraid of them. Muslims tell those countries what to do and what not to do. And they're invading them. Coming across their borders every day by the thousands. Over here in the United States, the Obama regime and its puppets who control our security are doing nothing about Islam in this country. Department of Homeland Security Secretary and Counterterrorism Chief Ladies and gentlemen, did not say Islamic terrorism once during congressional testimony. The words Islam, Islamic, or Muslim were not used even once by the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Jay Johnson or Nicholas Rasmussen, director of the National Counterterrorism Center, while they were testifying before Congress last week on terrorist threats to the United States of America, our country. Now, patriots, during the full House Homeland Security Committee hearing, October 21st, on worldwide threats and homeland security challenges, Rasmussen referred to Islamic terrorists 32 times, but by other names. Terms he used to refer to Islamic terrorists included terrorists, terrorist groups, 
terrorist actors, ISIL, inspired terrorists, terrorist organizations, foreign terrorist fighters, foreign fighters, violent extremists, extremists, extremist terrorist actors, violent extremist actors, and extremist actors. Jay Johnson, likewise, referred to Islamic terrorists 21 times, using other terms such as violent extremism to describe Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant ISIS, or ISIL, also known as ISIS, and Al-Qaeda, two Muslim groups that use their religion, Islam, to justify bloody attacks on Christians and Westerners. Given the nature of the evolving terrorist threat, counter-terroring or counteracting violent extremism in this country is as important as any of our other key missions. Building trusted partnerships with diverse communities, there's that word, there's that liberal word, the building of trusted partnerships with diverse communities is essential to successfully countering violent extremism and curbing threats to the safety of our country, Jay Johnson said. He went on to say, while the scale of the capabilities of these violent extremist actors does not rise to the level that core Al-Qaeda had at its disposal at the time of 9-11, it is fair to say that we face more threats originating in more places and involving more individuals than we have at any time in the last 14 years. Jay Johnson referred to right-wing extremism and domestic terrorism in both his verbal and written testimony while discussing internal terrorist threats. He did not specifically mention Islam terrorists, even though a video purportedly released by ISIS last year specifically threatened the United States. I say to America that the Islamic Caliphate has been established, and God willing, we will raise our flag in the White House. That was on that video that ISIS produced. Now, Nicholas Rasmussen, Director of National Counterism and and all that it entails, part of the Homeland Security Committee, and Mr. Uh, Jay Johnson, like I said, never mentioned, never tied terrorism to Islam. Why is that? But he went on to say and point the finger at conservatives, right-wing conservatives. You know, we cling to our guns and our Bible. We have bumper stickers on our car saying the the Congress is no good. We don't believe in letting illegals into our country. We're extremists. We believe in the Constitution. We're Christians. And that's the way the left looks at us as. Extremists. But they will not tie the word terrorist or terrorism and the word Islam or Islamic together in one sentence. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, there comes a time in any country's history where when the population of that country is getting kicked in the teeth, in this case in America, it's only half the population. The population that still believes in America. Still says things are wrong with our government. Still says that our government is not representing we the people. Still says... And we'll always say that they believe in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we are Christians. And we know 
that Islam and Islamic terror is a threat to the United States of America. We will continue to say that. And the left will continue to call us conservative extremists. So be it. So be it. You know, folks, like I said, there comes a time. Just like way back. Before the 1776. When the colonists said, we've had enough of this. And they were a minority as well. They were the only ones that had the balls in the backbone and the common sense to realize and understand the impact of what was going on via their communities and their children and their businesses. And they knew that they could no longer live under tyranny. They knew that they could no longer live under the lives and the promises that were coming from across the pond in Great Britain. They knew that they had to do something about it or forever hold their peace, forever live under tyranny. And we all know through uh, history what those people did. Here in America today, less than half the population fold or set in the same mold as those people back in 1776 were the ones who stood against tyranny. Less than half the population of the United States today would do that if they had to. I firmly believe that. What the tipping point will be, I don't know. But I believe it's just around the corner. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Wednesday edition. Hump Day in America, Hump Day in the Free World. This is the second half, the second hour of the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. We have a lot to talk about about today, and we'll be right back after a Our Voice with Ricky Rasmus's a report from South Africa. Hi there to all of you listening in to the Gary Gatehouse Show. This is Ricky with our voice from South Africa. It is a pleasure to share with you our stories again. There is so much happening here in South Africa that it is actually scary. The positive side of everything that happens and these talks and the Facebook groups and there is a, an awareness amongst the citizens of South Africa and also Europe and America about what is going on in South Africa. And there is more and more activism to stop what is going on here. The current turmoil in South Africa and worldwide need to be tackled boots and all. I realize this is not only a South African problem. I also listen to the world news and I see that Europe has the same problem with African migrants streaming into their countries and sooner than later they will have the same problems as South Africa. To compile the information that I share with you is very difficult because so much happened and I do not want to bore you with every single incident. So what I do is I save information that I get 
And then I sift through them and decide what will be of use and what will um, send out the message the best. I hope that it's not too boring, but I need your assistance as well. If you can send me an email to ricky at wabozo.org. That's ricky, R-I-E-K-I-E at W-E-B-O-S-O dot org. And tell me what it is that you want to know about South Africa, about its history, or anything in South Africa that you are not sure of or that you cannot easily find on Google or elsewhere. I will really try and assist and give you the information um, that you require. Our problems may be regarded as our problems. And I realize that some people are not interested in it. But our problems, the problems of white people in South Africa, affects the entire South Africa and its economic viability. It also affects every foreign investor, every tourist, and it also affects Europe in, and America. No decent person could ignore our plight, especially, as I said, where more and more African migrants swamp European countries. The fact is that the Africans cannot govern themselves. They cannot care for themselves. They infiltrate and they demand. And if you do not give, they take or destroy. So the issue is really an issue of humanity. And we have to look after each other. We have to look after humans and we have to look after our nature. If we do not do that, it will be really a sad state all over. This morning, I had breakfast with friends at the Johannesburg Zoo Lake area at a restaurant, which has a, a large area outside where you can have your meals. And when I came there and I saw the beautiful surrounds, the lake, the animals, the people relaxing, the boats on the lake, the children running around, and everyone having a peaceful breakfast and walking next to the lake with their children running around and doggies running around. I was thinking by myself, why can it not always be like that? It was so tranquil and it was so peaceful and so relaxing. And I know for you in America and in Europe, that is a common occurrence. But for us in South Africa, it is not. When you are in such a situation, you temporarily forget about the turmoil and the crime in South Africa. But you may be awakened with a bang when crime knocks on your door. And that is literally speaking, knock on your door, at your home, at your business, while you're traveling in your car and wherever you go. You can really say thank you if you go through a day without any crime or without any problems relating to service delivery and incompetence of mostly government departments. I'm going to share with you now factual incidences of crime, which will give you an impression of um, what we have to deal with on a daily basis. For this year alone, 12 farmers have been murdered on their farms, and that is white farmers. It is almost two a month, and I do not think any person can think that that is normal. It is not 
no, um, ordinary crimes, it is heinous crimes where the farmers are brutally attacked. In the latest farm murder incident in the Eastern Cape, Mrs. Hous, 88 years old, and her son Ruben Hous, 65 years old, was killed on Saturday. They were on their farm between Elliot and Indiwe in the Eastern Cape when Reuben was overpowered when he went out to feed the chickens. He was stabbed and forced into the house. Mrs. Hose was strangled with her scarf and her hands were tied. There must have been a big fight because the entire house was full of blood. Three suspects, 22, 23 and 24, were arrested. The first suspect was arrested because he was noticed with, because he was covered full of blood and he had a weapon with him. And as a result of his arrest, the other two suspects were also arrested. They were found with three firearms and cash that was stolen on the farm. Ruben Hous was a principal at the local school in Ida, and it is uh, believed that two of the suspects were former pupils at the school, and two of them were arrested three months ago for murder of a farm worker, and at the time of this incident on Saturday, they were out on bail for that murder. Mrs. Hous lived on this farm for 60 years, and after her husband died, her son came to live with her on the farm. Now, the Eastern Cape is a beautiful area, and I can believe that the living conditions on this farm was just tranquil and beautiful and peaceful. And now another family has been traumatized, and another farm now lies unproductive. It is so sad. I read this remark on Facebook by Lee Oxley de Prier. This past month has been horrific. Up to date, 12 white South Africans have been brutally murdered and there is still not one word from our government. So here is my official statement. I, as a South African, strongly condemn these racist attacks on our people. I ask the United Nations... Genocide Watch, the United States of America, the United Kingdom, Australia and Canada to please act. We are a peaceful, hard-working Christian people. All we want is to work, support our families and work our own land. My people are dying. We will no longer be silent. We will no longer be the victims. I urge all my friends in South Africa to put this up on your page as a sign of unity and share as far and wide as you can. Let it not die like our people have died. I can only say Amen, and I can only hope that you people listen and that someone will help us. On the 4th of August, a waterfall pensioner was tied up, choked and gagged by a 34-year-old woman residing on her premises. This was a, this is a 68-year-old resident who lives in Waterfall area and he requested that her name not be mentioned as she fear reprisals. She was tortured for about two hours and she said that it began when the woman went into her house, went into her house to take a break from gardening and make a cup of coffee. She was severely beaten up 
by the accused. She asked the accused if she could help her with something and the accused just replied that she was there to kill her. The suspect pushed the victim around until she fell to the ground. She pulled her to the bedroom where she tied her up at her arms and feet to the back and around her neck. She put a scarf in her mouth and gagged her and then she proceeded to kick her and jump on her. She then tried to strangle her and tried to pull her air pipe to break it. The victim had to fight to keep her head down and she thought that she was going to die. The suspect told her, today is your last day. Luckily, this old lady lived to tell the story, but she is severely traumatized and injured. On the 12th of August, Mr. Janse van Rensburg was killed in Drierefere Vereniging. The family recently moved to this new home in Three Rivers East, and they were still moving some items across from their old house. Their son was at home as he was sick, and robbers lifted their gate in the morning. The domestic worker immediately alerted Mr. and Mrs. van Rensburg who both raced home in their respective vehicles to go and see what was wrong. Mr. van Rensburg was at home first, and when he arrived there, the robbers fired four shots, but nobody was hit. Mrs. van Rensburg then also arrived. Both of them were forced to reverse. At the first stop, the robbers fired a further three shots. One bullet hit Mr. van Rensburg in, the, in his upper body, he was airlifted to the hospital, but he died um, shortly after arrival at the hospital. On Saturday morning, a shop owner, Mr. Manuel Carrera, was killed in his shop in Cape Town. He was the owner of Broadway Confectionery, and apparently the two suspects posing as customers entered the confectionery, and with firearms, they forced the customers and staff to lie on the floor. One of the suspects ran around a display shelf to intercept a fleeing customer who was trying to hide behind a cake display counter. The suspect at gunpoint forced the fleeing customer to rejoin the other customers and staff in the table area on the floor. A third suspect entered the confectionery and forced the owner's son at gunpoint to hand over the money and to open the shop safes. The suspects robbed the customers and the staff of cell phones and wallets. And during this process, the owner, who was busy at the back of the shop, came to the front. And when he realized that there was a robbery, um, he tried to intervene. But he was confronted by a gun-carrying suspect who shot Mr. Manuel in the face. He was taken to hospital, but he died from the gunshot wound in hospital. I live in the city of Rudderburg and two incidents or three incidents need to be mentioned. Last week on Monday, a 67-year-old woman was found murdered in her house in Rudderburg. She was half naked. She was full of bruises on her bed and it was believed that she may have been raped. Nobody has been arrested as yet. Also last week, a pensioner, a male person and his wife, was 
robbed at their house in Horizon Rudderpoort. The woman came back from shopping and when she came home, she made a noise because of robbers accosting her. Her husband came out of the house to look what was going on. He shot at the robber and apparently I think the robber was killed or he was taken to hospital. But Mr. Schultz was also shot by the rob robber in his stomach. He was taken to hospital and even though it appeared initially as if he would survive, he eventually also died as a result of the gunshot wounds. Now these incidents both occurred in a radius of five kilometers from my house. I also have a radio system in my house where I get information from the crime in only my area and it is really reason for concern if one listened to what's going on around you. On the 13th of August, that was um, in Voertaker Road in Krugersdorp, which is about 8 kilometers from me, five armed robbers stormed into a popular gym at about just after six in the evening. They fled with goods and gun and a gun. There were only three women at the time in the gym. The personal trainer was busy closing up the shop with two clients when the robbers stormed in and instructed them to lay on the floor. CCTV footage shows how the robbers take, took off the three hostages' jewellery as they lay down on the ground with their hands above their heads. Now this is really scary, people. If I take into account what I said earlier about the tranquil situation this morning at breakfast and here a business owner in his shop was killed. These people in their business were robbed. People in their houses were killed. I don't know where this is going to end. In Kenton Park in the Glen Murray area, a 20-year-old man is recovering in the Tembisa Hospital after he was hijacked and beaten up and tied to a tree on Saturday night. The young man couldn't tell the police how old he was or who he was after he was hijacked by three men on a road at about 8.45 in the evening driving his Chevrolet vehicle. The three males forced their way into the victim's car. They drove with him to a nearby felt where they assaulted him. He was put into the back of his car and they drove off with him to the corner of Monument and Quinning Roads in Glen Marais. They again assaulted him and then tied him to a tree and drove off with his car. According to a security officer who was patrolling the area, he saw the victim and then took him to the hospital. ER 24 paramedics guessed him to be between 30 and 40 years but they said it was hard to tell his age because his face was covered in blood and dirt from the ash on the ground and the sand. Now I'm asking you, if you're driving in your vehicle and they want your vehicle, why on earth is it necessary to assault you, to put you in the back of the car, to assault you again and then tie you to a tree? No human being with decency can do this to any other human being. Also on Saturday in Zerist, a lady went to do shopping at the pick and pay. She was standing in the queue to pay for her goods. In front of her there was one person or two people and then it was she. The lady in front of her was a black lady. 
who indicated to her that she still need to get something else and will she just keep her place in the row for her. This lady, Miss Maria, agreed to do that, but she said by the time that the first woman was finished, the black lady was not back yet, and she proceeded to pay for her goods. While she was busy or packing out her stuff to pay for her stuff, the black lady arrived at the till and started threatening Mrs. Maria by pointing her finger in her face, calling her a white bitch and that she does not belong here. She shouted at Mrs. Maria and slapped her in the face with an open hand. Mrs. Maria insisted on the manager to come and see what was happening there and his response was, what can I do? Now that is also a common occurrence that white people, managers of shops or people in senior positions just refuse to do something about an assault or defamation or any criminal activity by blacks on whites. And the reason why they do that is the moment that you take on a black person about anything that they do, you are called racist if you are white. It is really a total unacceptable situation that we have to deal with. The Glen Vista Community Policing Forum also warned residents that for two weeks in a row they have experienced driveway robberies on Saturday afternoons. People returning home in the afternoons are being targeted by three black males who hold them up in the driveway and then stealing their cell phones and wallets. At least two of the men are armed with handguns and they are using a white golf or a white polo. Saturday afternoon, a resident in Glen Vista was robbed in his driveway in this fashion. Last week, Saturday afternoon, a resident in another street was robbed with the same modus operandi. This information and the registration number and details of the suspected vehicle was given to the Mondier police a week ago already, but there was no feedback from them yet. Residents are warned to be aware of this threat. It is a pity that where the description of the vehicle is available, as well as the registration number, that the police have not been able to arrest these thugs by now. As a result of everything that I read on a daily basis and having read the uh, killing of the Broadway uh, shop owner and the two people on the farm in the Eastern Cape, I wrote this on Facebook and I will repeat it over and over again. Citizens of South Africa, wake up. South Africa is a criminal haven. Your life, your house, your business is worth nothing with these thugs having free reign. It is a one-sided war and innocent law-abiding citizens pay dearly. Get up. Arm yourself with any possible weapon. Learn to protect yourself and your property. Use your voice and shout out loud that this lawlessness must be stopped and vote this useless government out. Their own appointed Falem judge said they have to make a plan with Police Commissioner Ria Pieja, and still nothing has been done. Every department is in shambles. Service delivery is poor or non-existent. 
President Zuma and his cronies is so busy fighting for their own survival that they don't govern the country. Time has come for war against criminals. Law-abiding citizens must protect themselves. I hope that I may be able to bring about change with these talks and with the appeal for help. Thank you, people, for listening. Have a wonderful week. Until next time. You can hear Ricky Erasmus, our voice, her report from South Africa, exclusively on the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show every week. We'll be right back after a report from FreedomWorks. School District Under Fire for Christmas Spectacular. I am Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. We'll talk about this next on Freedom's Call. Liberty Council has offered free legal representation for a school near South Bend, Indiana, that was sued by two anti-religious groups for its constitutional inclusion of religious aspects within a mostly secular Christmas pageant. If the Concord School District were to censor all religious aspects, that would leave its students and the audience with a warped view of Christmas and create religious discrimination against the heart of Christmas and the important position Christianity holds in this holiday. The U.S. Supreme Court has ruled on similar cases and has clearly stated that the inclusion of religious and secular Christmas symbols together are completely constitutional. We are standing with this school and their community against the Grinches of this Christmas. Visit lc.org. In Congress, in the courtroom, and in your community, Liberty Council is advancing life, liberty, and the family. Log on to lc.org. I'm proud to announce that the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show is now a part of uh, the Liberty Council. And I will be presenting some 60-second uh, spots, if you will, information for all Christians, for all Americans, each week on the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. So stay tuned. These are very informative. They condensed a lot of information in that one-minute uh, broadcast, if you will. So, again, the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show is very proud to announce that from this day forward, we will be a part of Liberty Council as far as running their ads and running their 60-second uh, commentaries. And uh, I, I'm uh, uh, glad and very proud to be a member of that organization and helping them get the word out. We'll be back after a few short messages. It's the seventh leading cause of death in the U.S., and seven million people don't know they have it. I'm registered dietitian nutritionist Toby Smithson for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Diabetes can cause deadly complications like heart and kidney disease, stroke, blindness, and nerve damage. Type 2 diabetes can be managed or prevented with weight loss, moderate diet change, and physical activity. A registered dietitian nutritionist helps you and loved ones manage diabetes with an eating plan tailored to you. Take time and visit eatright.org. You are listening to the sound of the heartbeat of an unborn baby just 28 days after conception. Every day, more than 3,000 abortions are performed in this country, and each abortion stops the heartbeat of a living unborn baby. Since 1973, the annual number of abortions has gone from approximately 750,000 a year to just under 1.3 million. Abortion isn't rare or safe, only legal. Legalized abortion on demand has taken the lives of more than 50 million unborn children and left those women who have had abortions more vulnerable to physical, mental, and emotional complications. We at National Right to Life are working to break this cycle. We are working for the day when both mother and child will be welcomed, loved, and protected. Won't you help us? This has been a Perspective on Life from National Right to Life. For more information, visit our website 
nrlc.org. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Uh, here's a red flag for all you tree huggers out there that think uh, climate change is the word. You know, ladies and gentlemen, climate change or the environment or whatever you want to call it is nothing more than, really, it's nothing more than a religion. It's nothing more than something that was dreamed up by a bunch of people to further control the American people, control the people of the world. And a lot of that so-called environmental crap is unproven. A lot of it is a lie. Listen to what Mr. Ted Cruz has to say about climate change. You know, the last debate, it was interesting, Glenn. Jake Tapper asked a couple of the, the candidates on there, are, are you a climate change skeptic? And, and for whatever reason, they were afraid to answer yes. And then they, they sort of bobbed and weaved on that question. I tried to jump in. I said, Jake, you want a skeptic? I'm right here. <laughs> um, you know, just a couple of weeks ago in, in the Senate, um, I chaired a hearing where the, where the president of the Sierra Club testified. Mm-hmm. And, and we had uh, an exchange mm-hmm. where I simply asked him about the data, and he couldn't answer the most basic question, starting with the it fact... It was startling. It, it, he couldn't answer the most basic fact that for the last 18 years, the satellite data showed no significant Correct. warming whatsoever. Correct. He had no idea about that. He turned to his aides every minute or two. And, you know, part of the reason he didn't know the facts? Because climate change is not science. It's religion. Look at the language where they call you a denier. Denier is not the language of science. Look, I'm the child of two scientists. My parents are both mathematicians, computer programmers. My dad was a self-taught geophysicist. The essence of the scientific method is to start with a hypothesis and then look to evidence to disprove the hypothesis. You're not trying to prove it. You're trying to disprove it. Any good scientist is a skeptic. If he's not, he or she should not be a scientist. But yet the language of the global warming alarmists, denier is the language of religion. It's heretic. You are a blasphemer. The response from the Sierra Club, we have decreed this is the answer. You must accept it. And so he didn't know his facts because he just knew his religion. Now, folks, the Sierra Club is a left-wing organization that wields a lot of power in Congress. And they're all signed on with climate change. That's the main thrust of the Sierra Club, if you will. But there's something else looming out there on the radar screen that all Americans, tree huggers and otherwise, should be aware of. The United Nations is planning a court to judge United States for climate justice. At the upcoming United Nations Climate Summit in Paris, participating nations have prepared a treaty that would create an international tribunal of climate justice, giving third world countries the power to haul the United States government, we the people, into a global court with enforcement powers. Congress would be bypassed, left out in the cold by the climate deal. Policies once left to sovereign nations could be turned over to a United Nations body 
if the United States and its allies approved the proposed deal in Paris during the summit scheduled for November 30th through December 11th. According to the proposal, now listen to this, according to the proposed draft text of the climate treaty, the tribunal would take up issues such as climate justice, climate finance, technology transfers, and climate debt. Now buried on page 19 of the 34-page document is the critical text still heavily bracketed with text that hasn't been completely resolved and agreed upon. And it reads, An international tribunal of climate justice as a compliance mechanism is hereby established to address cases of non-compliance of the commitments of developed countries or parties, mitigation, adaptation, provision of finance technology, development and transfer and capacity building and transparency of action and support including through the development of an indicative list of consequences taking into account the cause, type, degree and frequency of non-compliance. Ladies and gentlemen of America, they are gearing up to put together a treaty that will say to the American people, that your government has absolutely no say whatsoever in this treaty and the laws and rules that are embedded in this treaty. We, the United Nations, will dictate to you, you American people, what you can and can't do when it comes to the environment in your country. If you do not comply with the rules and regulations that are embedded in this treaty, we will enforce them. We will take you to court. We will take your country to court. We will fine you heavily. We will require you to turn over to third world countries your technology that you paid for that they will not have to pay for. You have to read between the lines, America. And when you have a president of the United States of America that is a left-wing zealot that is going to go to this conference in Paris and he will sign that conference, I mark mark my word, and he will bring it back and he will find a way to circumvent Congress from being involved and approving of this. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, there's more than that. China and India are behind this move. They are behind this. They are insisting that they will not sign this treaty unless it contains massive redistribution of wealth from deployed to poor nations. You heard me right. They want to take your money from your kids to the United Nations and give it to some banana republic. Give it to some damn nation in Africa. And give them your money that you worked hard for. You know, ladies and gentlemen, the world housed under what we call the United Nations, the world leaders, despots, dictators, tyrants, They have one thing in mind, is to destroy the United States of America. And the United Nations 
housed in New York City is hell-bent on using that body of international whatever BS is what I call it to do absolutely that. Destroy America. Rob you and me, your children, of your money, the money that you paid for and earned to develop new technologies in this country. They want them as well. They want to rape us, our billfolds, our pocketbooks, and destroy America and Europe. What do you say, America? Are you all in on this? What are you going to say to Obama? What are you going to say to your senator and your congressman? Are you going to investigate this further? It's up to you, America. It's your country. It's your children. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Wednesday edition. Hump day in America, hump day in the free world. This is Gary Gatehouse saying, Until Friday, have a great day. Pray for our family. Pray for our families. Pray for our country and our military. Pray for our religion, Christianity. God knows we are under attack from all sides. Mostly from inside our border. By our own government. Until Friday, this is Gary Gatehouse saying, Good day.